Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to wrestle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to the Winning Pitch Podcast. Here's a friend of mine. His name is Troy Milliken, and he's going to introduce himself, tell you what kind of business he's in. So go ahead, Troy. Tell us who you are. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Troy Milliken, I reside in Greensboro area, North Carolina. So right now, I am a second generation leader entrepreneur. My dad started the company that I worked for in 1986, and I was born in 1985. He uh, started it just not long after I was born, obviously, and so that took a lot of guts. So I get entrepreneurial spirit from him, but I work for him. I run our HVAC service division. Right now, we have two locations, one here in Greensboro and one in Wilmington, North Carolina. We have added Wilmington two years ago, so we're very okay. fresh down there, but uh, we should, we're definitely over a million this year. We should be probably close to two, I'd say, when it's all said and done and just increasing from there. So, you know, I started running our service division in 2015 whenever we was just one location and we was about $2 million in revenue. This year, we're two locations and we'll be somewhere between four and a half and five million. Uh, it just depends on, on just a few little variables, but we'll be anywhere between that range right there. And within five years, my goal is to have it at 10 million. So growth is definitely paramount. So what do you attribute that growth to? Good culture. We have had some shakeup over the last year and a half to um, really have to weed people out that don't fit the culture and stuff, that don't row in the right direction. So um, really it's just people, culture, and setting the right expectations for the people coming in and stuff. Leading by example, I say it's a very good My dad used to call that step culling the herd. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, you got to comb it out. You know, just like a dog sheds hair, you got to comb out. The dead hair, you got to comb out. Dead skin and, and just people that's not rolling with you. That's just a cancer cell. And for us, that was 28, 2019. I'm sorry, it's 2020. 2019 was just that year. And, you know, over the last year and a half, two years has been our big growth. You know, we was at, uh, we've done 40% growth over the last two years. So people having right people, the right approaches. And two, I started following Grant Cardone two years ago, just over two years ago now. So the whole mindset thing for myself, being the leader of this whole division, finding Grant has been a big thing for me, not only personally, but obviously professionally too. Okay. So did getting connected to Grant cause you to call the herd of, in your case, did it point it out to you or not? Yeah. So it didn't hit me like that. But it was just something that over time I started to play with. I started to come up with. And it's just something that just grew on me. You know, just something that, that kind of took root. And then the more I listened, the more I Im- immersed myself, then just the more it grew. And then I started to change. And then yeah. the Grant has that effect on people, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he really does. You know, um, I'm not one 
haven't been one anyway to just really jump on something and go for just whatever reason. And so the more I'd listen, the more I just immerse myself, like I said, I just started seeing where changes needed to be within the business. And um, so over time, it was just one of the most positive things that I've ever had happen in my life, just finding a good mentor. Excellent. So you got connected to Grant Howe. I was at a conference. Um, we are affiliated with Link Service. ABM's a big Fortune 500 company that owns them. And every year we have a continuing education conference. Okay. One of the classes in there showed a YouTube video of Grant. And it was the top 10 um, traits of a salesperson, I think, or something like that. And okay. from then I said, okay, I got to look this guy up. And so I just started just looking him up and joined Card on You. That was in January of 2018. Got on card on you June of that year. And so it's just been nonstop ever since. When did you become a Cardone licensee? Beginning of this year. So I met Richie. The first grant event I ever went to was last October to his 10X boot camp. Boot camps are awesome, aren't they? Oh, it was a fantastic time. I'd never been, always heard about it. So my expectations were here. And what he ended up doing was exceeding those. And the first night there, so I mean, I traveled by myself, put myself out of that comfort zone, which I don't mind traveling by myself, but going to a conference with 600 plus people, not knowing anybody, you know, you got to take yourself out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And my first night there, I was eating dinner alone at the bar and I was just finishing up dinner and I was about to get up and walks in Richie Dolan. Had no idea who he was. He sat down with me and I just happened to strike up a conversation with him. And we sat there for probably about an hour, I'd say, just chit-chatting back and forth. And he really got me interested in the licensee program and went to the meeting the next morning and, and just really perked my interest. And from there, it's just morphed into now I got my own coaching business, um, obviously a licensee. So I'm just never had this vision a year ago. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So – Tell me a little bit about your life story, which led you on this path of success. It's a lot of watching what my dad does. Like I said, my dad started this company in 86. And then late 90s, him and a couple guys got into Bojangles franchising. And they've got, I think, 10 or 12 stores. And okay. they keep adding now. So from a young age, I started watching him start, start these businesses. And... For our listeners who may not know, tell me what Bojangles is. So Bojangles is a fast food type chain restaurant here in North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, kind of the southeastern part of the United States. It's a fast food chain, kind of like Hardee's or okay. Popeye's chicken, that kind of okay. great chicken. So I didn't mean to take you off the story. Go ahead. No, you're good. So watching my dad add businesses, be this entrepreneur, it really perked my interest. And you know, I just, he didn't really show me a lot though. You know, he was always busy and he was always grinding away to where he couldn't. And, but I always had the interest. And, okay. and so I always wanted more like, and like deep down internally, but I just didn't know what that was. And then over time, you know, just started working for him 10 years ago. I was doing different jobs within the company. And once we signed up to be a, this link service franchise here for HVAC service, he put me in charge of, of, of implementing it, running it and growing it. Okay. And it was then I really got the taste of the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, he allowed me to stretch my wings. 
So How old were you at the time where he put you in charge of it? I was 30. Okay. So 2015, he put me in charge of this from scratch. Okay. We already had an existing service company. Okay. So anytime you bring something in existing and incorporate something new with that, there's a lot of internal struggle. We went through a lot of internal struggle over the last five years. Can um, you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So for us being an, an existing service company, we was a decent sized service company, but there was no real processes, no real path for growth. There was not much else than being here supporting our construction side, which is the vast majority of our volume since birth, kind of. And my dad always seen the vision of having a big service company. He always wanted one. And this opportunity approach to essentially franchising allows you to buy rights to things that's been proven, right? We all know that with licensees, with restaurants, that kind of stuff. So franchising is a great way to buy into something that's been proven. You just okay. got to make sure you implement it and have the right people to do it. And got it. for us, he saw the value in it. And so him and I went up to Pittsburgh and yeah, we bought into it. That was back in 2015. And okay. for him, it was his legacy for me to grow it and to build it into something that, that he always dreamed of because he's, he's near retirement age now. How old is he? He's, uh, let's see, 65. He's just a young fella. Tell him from me, he's too damn young to be. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. He knows it too, because he's not slowing down. He's not. Well, I, I'll tell you my retirement story. My grandfather was a, uh, a guy that built the machinery and the processing for a, one of the big sugar companies. I think it was uh, Spreckles. And at 65, they mandatorily retired him. And at 67, he was almost dead. He was just getting sick and his body started to so he went back to work for them as, a, as an external consultant and worked until he was close to 90. I love so that. That's where I get my emphasis of people ask me, when are you going to retire? Uh, right after I die. <laughs> yeah, what's that word, right? You know, in <laughs> retirement, working is fun. Working is, uh, keeps me alive. I like what I do. I like to keep my enthusiasm level up. And I don't ever plan on retiring. It's you hit the nail on the head. You know, I want, to, I want to be alive and kicking and, you know, I want to breathe my last breath as I slide into home plate. There you go. There you go. baseball and national. You going to slide head first or feet first? Head first. What the hell? I'm old. <laughs> it'll scrape everything. I, there you I, go. I don't have to worry about scraping my face because it's ugly enough as it is. Nobody would notice. <laughs> Just go so, for it. Continue your story. So, you know, we bought into this franchise and my role was to implement it and grow it. And like I say, anytime you have an existing culture, you bring something new in, it don't matter what it is. There's going to be resistance. It don't matter what it is. And so we already had existing people in here and I really worked to implement that with those people. And, you know, we went through a couple salespeople. We had the same service manager, same same um, project sales guy, which sells new equipment. So it, it was essentially the same people for since 2015 till middle of last year. And you know, it's people that, yeah, I'm bought in. I'm helping you implement it. I'm man. I'm right there with you. Right. I'm in the trenches with you. And you really believe people like that. You really at least want to. And for us, it turned out to be where 
they were not in the trenches. They was building their own trench over there while saying they was right here. There's just a lot of things that that went on there. They was building their own business. They was not. They were yep. saying they was working for us, selling for their own selves, doing stuff on the side, taking away, like actually, actually taking customers away from us mm-hmm. and building, like taking them to their company. And, and so it was, it was a lot of that. And, you know, whenever you're around people that say they're in the trenches for you, they're saying that, uh, hey, buddy, I love you, man. Let's go get it. Kind of stuff like that. And you find out that they have actually been going behind your back. And I mean, pretty much embezzling stuff. It, yep. it does hurt. You know, it does hurt. It just kind of take the wind out of you. But at the end of the day, I knew the people, the other people that was with us, I knew they was with us for good. You know, got some great service texts and stuff. And I believed in my vision and my mission. And I kept, you know, I kept persevering. I kept pushing through. Got rid of the service manager. Got rid of the sales guy. Two sales guys, actually. And got rid of our, our service dispatch. And so started off fresh. Are they all four? Are, are all four of them working together in their own company now? Yeah. Yep. That's what we even had needed. two service techs leave also to go okay. over there. So looking back on it, we got new people in now. Looking back on it, I see where I failed to see stuff. Mm-hmm. And like Grant says, a lot of times of you got to fire people to create a better culture. I can't remember how exactly he said it, but um, he said it at the mastermind this summer about sometimes you just got to cut people loose. Well, chances are they've already quit regardless before you even do that. But you got to cut people loose to, to build the rest of the team. And Well, they need to see that you're enforcing your culture because if they see Joe's over here working at 50% and they're working at 100%, the people that work 100% will never create enough push on the 50 percenters to go up. What will always happen is the 100 percenters will go down. Yep. And I'll tell you another secret I learned very young in Brooklyn is that when you let someone go and you find out they've been working against you and you'll find out immediately that you can sometimes not replace them and your business will get up because for every person who's in your boat not pulling on the oars, they're consuming the entire output of at least two other people. And when you start to do the math on that, you realize that the reason why anything isn't going, the reason why graphs aren't going up is because somebody in the business is holding them down. That's the only reason that for that to go because an owner's not going to have that. An owner wants businesses to grow. An owner wants, unless he's crazy, yeah. you know, you, you want more income, you want more space, you want more clients, you want more relationships, you want more time, whatever that takes. And that's all about bringing in people who want to get on the same page as you because they know they can feel the momentum growing and you're going to be there for with them in the future. It's all about viability. So what do you attribute, what happened to you when you were a kid, good or bad, that has made you the person that you are now? I think for me, it was playing sports. I played baseball growing up. And so I learned the teamwork, teamwork philosophy there. I'm only one guy, one position. I'm only one guy going up to bat at a nine. I can't do it alone, you know, but I got to pull my own weight and then leading by example. Um, my dad was very, very good about leading by example and instilling that in me. Um, and I said, 
didn't really have anything bad happen, but just the good examples that was set just stayed with me. Give me an example of something that was a good example for you. And be very specific about it. So people are interested in your story, Troy. I have a very good example that it started in the mid nineties, but it actually played out around 2011. So just give you a good example of the kind of guy my dad is and the example that, that he set. So in construction, we do just brand new buildings. We did one hotel here, here in the area and the people that we had working for us then was an anchor, right? It was that person that wasn't rolling. And so they, they took shortcuts that we didn't know about until 2011. And okay. what they did was, was whenever they was installing piping, they um, installed the wrong size insulation on there. And okay. whenever you do that, the pipe will, will build up moisture and it starts to rust. So as that pipe rusts, it starts to leak. It starts to leak water. Yep. We all know what water does once it gets out of the pipe and stuff. It causes a lot of havoc. And, you know, it was uh, 2011-ish yep. that the pipes really started to show. And whenever we do construction, warranty is a year, just one year. And this was almost 20 years later. Uh, it's about 16 to be exact, but, you know, it was almost 20 years. It's definitely well out of that one year time frame. So pipes started to rust and stuff. And I'll never forget this meeting I was I was in with my dad and the owner, a couple other guys from his company and ours was up there discussing everything. And the owner flat out asked my dad, how much is this going to cost me? My dad said, it's not going to cost you anything. We made the mistake. We put our name on it. We're going to fix it. So as this stuff comes up, we're going to fix it. We're going to address it then. We're going to fix it right because our name was on it. So, you know, that's the kind of integrity and ethics that, that I was shown from a young age there. So that's the best example that, that will always stick with me. I give it all the time because it's just the best example, like I said, that, that shows you the kind of person that, that I grew up around. Did it turn your business in 2011 upside down? Not upside down, but I mean, the whole project, it cost us six figures. I don't know the exact cost, but I mean, it's a six-figure cost to us. Um, we're still alive and healthy as a business now. We've gotten some good things from it, but it's just when you do the right thing, right things come to you. Even if it had to cost us the business, I still feel like my dad still would have done it because it's the right thing. Got it. So you didn't know this, and I didn't know it about you, but my dad was also a contractor, so we have very similar backgrounds. Yeah, no, no I didn't know that. The biggest thing I learned was I didn't want to be – in the construction business. <laughs> it just, yep. you know, it just, nah. I, I, and, I, and I'm kind of lazy and I don't like to be out in the hot sun. I didn't want to be one of the workers. And we used to build, uh, what do you call a group of houses that you put together? Apartment, multi? No, it wasn't it was houses. They were all houses. We just, he'd, he'd take these projects, a small projects of 20 or 30 or 40 houses. And a guy would develop the land and, and he'd build the products. And I hated to work. I don't, I, you know, I didn't, I always used to say, I don't want to do something for a living that makes me go out in the sun and sweat. And then I wound up being a baseball coach. And where was I all the time? You sweat. sun, sweating. And I got this pink, permanent pink glow, which I call baseball face. <laughs> as long as I was doing something I liked and, you know, picking up garbage and getting, stepping on nails and stuff like that. That's my recollections of. Yes. I grew up working summers, hanging duck work, installing equipment and stuff. And yeah, it's definitely hot. You work 10, 12 hour days and you don't want to do much else. 
and I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. So my dad pushed me toward college. Mom did too, because my dad was the only one in my immediate family really that had ever graduated college. He's a mechanical engineer. And so you'll like this story. So I thought I want to be an engineer. You know, what am I going to do with my life? I said, okay, I'm going to go be an engineer. So I started out in college. I went three and a half years at uh, A&T here in Greensboro. And mm-hmm. college, I didn't focus on. It was the time of my life when, when I just, I was more worried about what I was getting into that Friday and Saturday night, sometimes Thursday night. Okay. College was not it. And so I spent three and a half years just not getting anywhere. And so I thought, okay, engineering is not for me. What else is out there? And so this is my mindset back then. My dad's business partner is a chiropractor. So he works about six hours a day, makes good money. I thought, man, if I can work six hours a day and make that kind of money, I'm in. So in researching schools and, and things about chiropractic, me and my dad went to a chiropractic school up in St. Louis just to tour it, check it out, and get more information on it. And uh, we was touring the school. We went to this room where the cadavers are. That's the first time I'd ever heard that word, right? So we're in this big room. The body bags laying on tables everywhere. They was all zipped up, and the guy was just pointing a few little things out, and he said, do you have any questions? So me, I thought that it was a realistic-looking body dummy, you know? And I said, yeah, can I see one? (laughs) And everybody's look was, I can't believe he just asked that question. So he unzipped the bag. I go over there and look. Okay, that's pretty cool. Zips it back up, and then we walk out of the room. But I said, you, you do know what a cadaver is, right? I said, no, I don't. Just real-looking body dummy, right? He said, no, those are like real dead bodies. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> so that makes sense why people was looking at me. But, yeah. So, yeah, that was my moment there. Okay, let me look to do something else. And, and so, uh, <laughs> but didn't end up going to anything chiropractic, and I just didn't like chemistry. I just wasn't a big fan of school at the time, but my parents kept pushing me. You need something. You need something. And looking back on it, I'm glad that they did because I stayed with it. I got my associates in business, went to school in uh, UNC Charlotte for two years and got my bachelor's in marketing. So I finished out, got my degree and stuff, stuck with it. And so I was 25 when I graduated though. Almost, I could have been a doctor had I, had I just focused in and went to school that long for seven years. But uh, I stuck with it. And so they, they showed me about persistence and just sticking with stuff and not quitting, which I never quit, but I really wanted to quit school. Uh, I completely understand it. I've always hated school, even when I was in grammar school. Oh, yeah. So I, I get it completely. Yeah. So I'm glad they did. I stuck with it. And I have a bachelor's degree to show for it, which it's a piece of paper, right? I mean, yeah. At, at the end of the day, I don't use much from it. I don't remember much from it. It was a good time. Uh, that's about it. Met some good people. Yeah, it's a social club. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 So what do you account for? Who do you give credit or what do you give credit for your success that you have now? I point a lot of it to, uh, a little bit to my dad, but a lot of it to just the mentoring that, that I've got through grants materials. I Does mean, that mean up until two years ago, you didn't feel like you were, had any success? I feel like I was kind of grinding my gears. Like, I feel like I had a little bit, but it just, it was kind of just going like 
uh, barely inching up. Okay. You know, I just, there was no, there's a fire, but it needed gasoline. Got and it. I attribute Grant. Grant is definitely gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> I completely got that. Yeah. So what, tell me something that you got from Grant. What was your aha moment and it really turned your statistics upward? It was honestly the selling portion of the business. Just the look that he has for sales. You know, you hear a lot of negative connotations about salespeople, about selling in general. And just the way he approached sales just honestly turned me a 180 on sales. And that was my, okay, aha moment. And just the techniques that he's got within his platform, just, it was, okay, yeah, there's a lot more to sales than even I realized. Because you always hear, if you get somebody to like you, they'll do business with you. Well, I'm a pretty likable guy, but that wasn't the case. You know, I can be <laughs> likable, but that's not going to guarantee you any sales. Yeah, you got to learn to close. Do you have a corporate account for Cardone University? I do, yep. So are all your people on it? Not all my sales team are. I'm adding more people okay. as we go along. So. so how many segments do you have them do every day? I, four to six. Okay. Yeah, it's still a, a struggle to really get them focused on it. It's been something that, that I've really been working on my coaching with them because we have daily sales meetings. And yeah. we look at the reports. I, I tell them the reports. And if they're not on track, I tell them, guys, we got to pick it up. This is your foundation. This is your livelihood. I can't do it for you. You know, you got to do it for yourself. Yep. So it's like any good coach knows I'm not going to do it for you. I can exactly. lay the path. Out. I'll, I'll teach you the drills because I don't know if you knew this, but I coached high school baseball for four decades. And, you know, you got to, you got to put the discipline in and the coach is there to explain to you and teach you how to do the drills, but you got to show up every day and you got to do it. And if you, you probably know this from baseball, but if you take time off or you try to go to practice two days a week, you're going to suck no matter how much natural athletic ability you've got. If you don't put the work in that game, it'll, it'll just move on from you fast. And I, I can't speak about football or basketball because I don't know. I don't imagine it's much different, but you know, with good coaches and, and, and some personal ethics and wanting to be part of a team. I think it's athletics can be for everybody. It's not, you know, it's not, I'm not talking about becoming part of the Atlanta Braves or, or the San Francisco Giants or the New York Mets. It, you know, that to me, that's something that you can thank your parents for because it's DNA. If you don't have the right kind of body type and everything, the chances of you falling out the bottom of that funnel from the top is really slim. It's almost impossible if you're a great athlete. So, you know, it's just, but all of the, all of the top sports guys that are, it's like I hear when I'm watching football and the, the, the speed differential in the, in the athletes between the pros and the college is unbelievable. And I, I know that that's true because I watched kids go from being a freshman and a sophomore in high school to being on the varsity and the game is, Black and white, different. It's just the, 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 the pitchers throw harder, the bad guys hit better, the ball jumps off harder, and you've got to be quick and you've got to understand it. And it's impossible to play athletics by trying to think. You, you have to teach yourself muscle memory so that you can react to things fast. So, and it's not any different in the sales thing. You put in daily discipline. You do the drills every day. You do the role-playing every day. 
And then one day you wake up and go, I can do this, but it doesn't feel like it while you're going through it. Yeah. You know, awesome. um, go ahead. you mentioned the hard work and showing up and it's not only athletic ability. Whenever I was trying out for my middle school team in seventh grade, I was very athletic, um, made all-star teams. Like, I mean, I was very, a very good player. And so I was showing up there for seventh grade year, which is the first year that you can try out in middle school. And so I thought my athletic ability would get me on the team. And so I didn't hustle. I went out there hustling. I got cut. And that was a great lesson for me that, hey, even it don't matter how athletic you are. If you're not going to be out there, if you're not going to put in the work, if you're not going to hustle and have the heart out there, then you're not going to be on the team. And so that was another lesson right there of, of I have to put the work in. They're not going to do it. And I got to show up, like show up 100%, not just physically be there, but mentally as well. It takes both parts. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to ask you my two favorite questions. All right. So considering all of the jobs that you've ever been at, including any part-time jobs that you maybe had in high school or something, tell me about your single best moment. Be, tell me when it was, why it was your best moment, and be very descriptive. Put all of the listeners in that moment with you. My best moment as far as? Work, jobs. I think, I mean, my best moments really got to be here recently. Uh, we got new salespeople. And they're younger. They've never been in sales and they have the want to. And so watching them get out there and put the techniques that we talk about in Cardone U in, in our daily sales meetings, watch them put stuff in use, watch them get their sales, watch them hit their quota and stuff and just be providing for their family and giving them opportunities like that. I feel like it's really the best moment for me personally, because I love to, to help others. And having them being able to, to provide more for their family than they currently were and, and having them grow as individuals and just helping them along the way has really been one of the best things that, that I get. And man, I tell you, it's just a feeling that it's just hard to put in words, you know? Um, I feel you. I yeah. understand. <laughs> it really is, but it's, it's the, the, the most rewarding part about my job. And it's very easy to look back and say, yeah, that's my best moment, but it really is the best moment. You know, it's kind of cliche, but I just love it. It's all yours. So yeah. yeah. put your consciousness, consciousness over all of your jobs again. And this time, tell me about your single worst moment. <laughs> so, most of my work involves here. And, and we was, Working summers, uh, it's about 13 years ago and stuff. Um, <laughs> I was kind of not a problem child, but I just didn't think about any consequences, didn't really care. And so we would um, <laughs> we would show up on job sites and we'd find hiding spots because we would go to work hungover at times. And we would find hiding spots and we would not really work, right? Um, we'd clock in, go find a hiding spot. Or we would clock in and just not do much work. We would act, act like we was working. So just the goofing off time right there, that's, I, that's my worst. Was looking back on it, it was not ethical at all, really. So are you aware of that now when you go through a job site and you see people? Do you, are you, do you really have your attention on that? 
I have my attention on it because I understand what it takes to run a profitable job, bring it in, and just how labor can can really take a job and make it good or make it really bad, how labor can just hurt you. Like the guys who didn't care enough to put the proper insulation on the pipes, right? Exactly. And it costs. Yeah. No, huh? And, and, um, never would take shortcuts, but just shortcutted actual work, not the quality, just actual work. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, the number one thing that's missing in so many businesses is the quality control viewpoint and holding people accountable. And I'm sure that if you had the opportunity to go back, that the way that you follow up on people now is different than the way that you did when those guys put your name at risk. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. And what I can look back and say, yeah, I used to do it that way. It's not right. Come on guys, you're better than this. Let's go. Okay. Can't get a little pat on the back. It's your culture. It's your company. You know, I discovered a couple of years ago that I've always considered myself a redneck, conservative, right winger, use whatever term you want to use. And I realized that while I was a capitalist or a conservative, I was running my company like a liberal. I was running it, not holding people accountable, not directly confronting people when they're doing things that are crosswise with our culture. And, you know, if you don't, you get what you deserve. You know, you deserve what you get. Uh, you know, it's just, you've got to be always have that right here. I, I'd never carried the baseball coaching mentality into my company and I should have because I knew better. Yeah. It's, you know, sports is, you can interweave sports into a lot of stuff. Absolutely. You really can. And, and um, you know, the expectations I have learned when when placed on people, laying out the vision and expectations go a long way. And for me, whenever I do that, I can then address disciplinary issues in a different way. Yeah. But I don't like to jump and scream and, and get down anybody's throat, but I do get my point across also. And as long as I'm laying out expectations, they know what to expect. So if they're not meeting that, it's okay, what's going on? Then it's a different conversation. Yeah. And um, – yeah. Yeah, it's for us. It's just been a lot better, and it creates that. It's it's helped create our great culture that we have now. Well done, well done. We have written procedures for I want to say all, but there's no such thing as always and never. So uh, most of the things that we do, and when somebody makes creates a less than perfect product, we walk up to them and say, "Find your own mistake." Yeah, and then look at where you deviated from the procedure because this procedure is the result of years of trying how to do things and figuring out what works and writing it all down so that in the training everybody is now pretty much we're not taking away their their self-determinism but they they understand the path that the people before them created and walked down and so those that's what the procedures are for and it, it, it always amazes me that when new people come in, they, they think they've got to get to the point that they can, they know the procedure so well, they can operate at it. And I always, without it. And I always tell them, no, I'm not the least bit impressed that you know all of my procedures so well, because if you just operate with the procedure, you'll never make a mistake. And that's what I want from you. Do it, do it the way that all of us repeat the successful actions and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them. And if you try to 
do them out of muscle memory or whatever it is, you, you increase your own chances of making a mistake. Yep. And then secondarily, I never answer anyone's question. If someone comes to me and asks me, what do I do with this? I always ask them the same question. What would you do if I wasn't here? Because I want people to learn that they have access to all, this, all the information and to learn that they can think their own way through problems or you know, they've got a, a place to go to find the answers. And we're, because we're in the business, we're in the aviation tax business, for those that don't really know me real well. And it's all written down and it's catalog and it's all there. If you want to know, just go look. Don't come in and ask me uh, because I'm, uh, it, it's, I found that I should, that, that's the best way to teach people is make them or encourage them to figure it out themselves. And I, it's not like they're not standing on the edge of a building that's 100 stories tall and they're going to fall down and go splat. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not that kind of danger. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like we don't train people, but it's, you've, cre you've bothered to go through the system of creating a pathway for them. And it doesn't make any sense to me that people, you know, fall out of it or go out and try to do things on their own. But this is planet earth, broken people, broken planet. And my whole job is to stay around the edges and push them back in the lane. And, you know, there's, it, it's, it's kind of fun. That's it. I mean, you got to give them that, that pathway there and yeah. they'll make mistakes. Hopefully they learn from it. And well, if they keep making the same mistake, then at that point is. Well, well you I'm have a different problem. If yeah. You're making the same mistake over and over. I remember that I had a kid ask me one time, he says, coach, one of my baseball players, coach, why are you always criticizing me about the same thing? I says, I'm going to keep criticizing you about the same thing until you fix it. <laughs> when are you going to figure it out? I'm a coach. I'm supposed to keep you in the lane of what you're supposed to do. I've clearly laid out for you and all your teammates the way to do this. And you're deciding to try to swim while on the shore. Why, why do you do that? And it's my job to uh, keep you in the water. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, oh, I never thought of that. I said, you're in, you're in 100% control of me saying that. If you want me to stop telling, and I don't remember what it was. It probably really wasn't something that was that important, but it was constant with him. It was almost like an automatic, I'd see him coming and I go, hey, come here. And I'm, I'm going to criticize you. Why? Well, because you're getting ready to do this. <laughs> I'm trying to make it simple, but it's, you know, I have a policy when people say they're sorry. Don't tell me you're sorry. I don't want to hear her sorry. Just fix it. Don't do it again. Because I'm like you. I don't like to scream and yell. I don't you know, jump up and down. Dallas has been working for me for several years, and she never, ever saw me scream and yell until the last move and then the Xfinity, I'll call them out on this podcast, broke everything that they promised that they'd, they'd do with for me. And they just, you know, every day they'd come in, they'd send a guy in to fix it. My phones would go down, my internet would go down. Well, that's what you do for me. Xfinity is I have to have my phones to be in business and I need the internet. So fix that like you told me you were going to. Anyway, so much for my rant. <laughs> I let that get out of control with me. In fact, I made this long video about 15 minutes long about all the things that I hated about Xfinity, but I didn't send it out because I figured what way Grant feels about haters that it'd probably help him and I wasn't going to do that. They, <laughs> they pissed me off. But 
you know, it's really simple to fix. Just when you tell somebody you're going to do something, just do it. Don't make excuses. I, I know you didn't make the mistake on purpose because if I knew you were making mistakes on purpose, you wouldn't be working for me. Or I'd ask you my favorite question. How long have you been working for me? Not counting tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. You don't fit in. We're trying to win a baseball game and you keep coming out here trying to kick field goals. You're not on the right field. Doesn't make you a bad person. Just go play for a football team. This is a baseball. We have conversations like that with my sales team because they get the vision of these big sales and it takes a lot longer. And if you don't get it, you're out. So I'm like, you know, it's same conversation. You guys got to, to fill the gaps in. You guys got to fill the gaps in. And well, like Grant always says, frequency precedes greatness. You got a kid at every day. And uh, if, are you connected at all with Brandon Dawson? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, he really made me see the incremental steps a little bit more than Grant did. And that's not a criticism of Grant. I love Grant. I love his, he's always got his foot on the gas. You probably, he probably could save himself on every time he buys a car, you should buy one without brakes because he never uses them. No, huh? no. You know, and it just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's two different viewpoints. Both of them have used their own particular viewpoint to become very successful. And uh, I love them both. And I love Richie too. Richie's a different kind of cat. And I really, really like being the. They all, yeah, they're all fantastic in their own way. I've gotten so much from all of them. Really before last October, I didn't even think of getting a mentor and stuff like coaches. None of that stuff was on top of my mind. And I didn't know how important getting even just a mentor was. Now I've been following Grant for almost two years now, and he was essentially a mentor and he definitely still is. But you know, I look at other people now for different areas in my life. Man, I'm telling you, that's been the most valuable change for me too. So over the last five years, the change really started to see once I started following Grant and then boot camp, And then now that I'm a licensee, it's just everything's really taken off over the last, honestly, 10 months. Yeah. And I attribute it to just getting around the right people, having the culture here, just, just be fantastic and – 10x think mindset and just really trying to live up to that standard, you know, living that life too. And, and uh, it's, it's been a whirlwind, but it's been great because now you just get thinking, what else am I missing? You know, I'm thinking 10 million in five years for this, for my coaching business. I, I don't even know where I could be. I don't like that's still fresh. So life can change like that. That's for sure. Yep. Good or bad. Good yeah. or bad, yeah. Good or bad, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was thinking not to get down this path too much, but September 11th, whenever you get thinking about everybody that was going about that morning, like they always would, and then the hijackers hijacking airplanes and stuff, and people calling home. Like I watched a documentary on Flight 93 that really was just sad because those people were calling home, and they didn't know if they was going to make it. They thought they were, but they ended up not making, of course, you know, just, it just had me reevaluating even my life now of, am I living in a moment? Am I, if something were to happen on my way home today, would I be ready? You know? And so it just really gets you thinking of just living in the present and, but having your vision on, on the future. And that's one thing that I'm really working to strive toward now is to just live even more in the future or in the present. But visualizing an even bigger future so 
uh, you know, if something were to happen, my daughter's taken care of. Yep. Or if something were to happen, my daughter can say, yeah, my dad was the best example. You know, that's what I, I that's now what I focus on at this point. Got One it. Thing for my team here and then for family. Got it completely. So if you had an opportunity to talk to a guy, I would say a young man, what are you, about 18 when you get out of high school? Yeah. He's getting ready to go to college and he's trying to decide what he wants to do. What would you tell him? Whatever you want to do, first of all, whatever you want to do, you can do it. Let's get that out of the way because whenever you're thinking about what I want to do, your mind always goes to, I can't do this or I can't do that. That's just where my mind went to and stuff. And I know a lot of people focus on that. So first of all, you can do whatever you put your mind to. You just got to commit to it. Yep. Next is finding what you, uh, not necessarily what you like to do, but trying to find that passion, something that ignites you. Even if it sparks a little flame, for example, um, just that area right there, go toward it. You know, mine was somehow working for my dad's company. I didn't know what I wanted to do for it, didn't know what role I would fit in, but obviously the long-term play would be he's going to retire. Hopefully I can gain experience and knowledge to take it over. Um, so it was that path. But w once I finally found something like running our service division, treating it like a business and stuff, it's like, okay, a an entrepreneur business owner was something that lit me up and then helping others along the way on my team lit me up. So find something that, that sparks a little flame and then go toward that area to see if there's any way you can just, just ignite it into a bonfire. And if it don't find something else, yeah. a lot of people get stuck in doing things that they hate and they complain and whine about it. And it does, it does no good. So don't be afraid to try something out not like it and then try something else out but don't feel like you got to be stuck i agree with that 100 percent. in fact i saw something the oh recently and for a guy who's my age recently could be any time in the last 25 years <laughs> uh, that uh kids who people who people who graduate from college the most of them within seven years are doing something totally disrelated to what they went to college for and i think all of us in life kind of you're, you're going off on this, what you think is your trajectory. And again, those decisions are being made by a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 17-year-old kid. As you get into life, you get little feedbacks and little pieces about it. And yeah, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. And so it doesn't make you wrong. Just try stuff. It's like Thomas Edison has found a thousand ways or 10,000 ways to not make a light bulb before he found out a light bulb. He just didn't stop. He saw it in his mind and he knew it could be done. And so he just didn't stop. So uh, thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing your story. Is there anything you'd love to say to the entire planet earth at this point? Man, I appreciate the time. I really do. We all get stuck in what's going on in the world. We all get wrapped up in that. My advice is to, to just, Block that stuff out as much as possible because it only weighs you down. Don't allow stuff to weigh you down. Be positive. Approach things with a positive mindset and your life will be transformed forever. How you approach life, how you approach every day can transform your life in so many ways just by having a positive attitude and that right mindset. And again, whatever you put your mind to, you can accomplish. Just commit fully. Just commit fully. And, and I will tell the whole world that this guy is a living example of what he just said to you. 
I could verify that because I've watched him grow so much over the last, we've known each other for what, seven, eight months? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so, it's September, so yeah. Yep. You're one of my yeah. heroes, Troy. You really so are. You, man. I really appreciate that. I, it definitely means a lot. It really does because growing up, I didn't really have a lot of people tell me that. And so it really means a lot to hear that. I definitely look up to you as well. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep spreading the word, man. I will. I promise. So that ends this podcast. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success. And I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. The number 10, then X-L-E-N-Z.com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.